Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to episode 99, second attempt of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me once again, Janelle Wheeler's Yay. here, back from vacation so and filling happy. in from our longer vacation, Matt Aguilar. <laughs> I have a nice tan, just kidding. Nope, I avoided the sun. I was scared. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a bad bet these days. <laughs> and joining us on the couch is Mr. Jamie Lovett once again. Howdy, howdy. And of course, over in the corner... Producer Jim Viscardi is here with us again. What's going on? And we have some interesting things to talk about today. First and foremost, we're going to get into a rumor about uh, Marvel. We don't always jump into Marvel rumors. We may or may not have a show for that eventually. But uh, today we're going to talk about one because it's pretty fun and it's something I kind of want to talk about. And this is this show is far from a democracy. I, I'm learning from the times. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a big new development in the Hunger Games franchise. You probably didn't think you'd hear that title today but uh here we are and speaking of things coming back that we've uh, never thought we'd see again jamie is here to talk to us about the new star trek series star trek picard from which he has just come back from the junket and meeting sir patrick stewart and doing all this other stuff so we're going to tell you about star trek's next tv expansion to go along with discovery and probably kind of just chat some star trek because we haven't talked in a long time about star trek but star trek's about to about have a big year in 2020 and it's going to start with Picard, so we're going to do that. We were going to talk new comics, but uh, I haven't heard from Matt Aguilar, so if you have any proof of life on that guy, tell him we need some comics news so we can get that in by the end of the week. just created life. <laughs> so we are going to dip back in and start reading some reviews. So some of you are getting some free t-shirts today because we're going to read some five-star reviews from iTunes and uh, get back to doing that. We haven't done that in a while. So let's get to all of it and start in our news flash up top. Like I said, we're going to start with a little Marvel rumor. So there is a Marvel scooper, Daniel RPK. You guys, if you guys are kind of hot Marvel news people, I mean, that sounds weird. It sounds like you're very attractive Marvel reporters. Hey, but That's uh, a phrase already. Most yeah. Marvel fans are. Let me, what? DC fans are more attractive. <laughs> Discuss. Uh, no, I'm oh, just yeah, that's actually a really good uh, debate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> people will die. No, uh, so... Marvel movie news scooper Daniel RPK dropped another scoop, uh, this time behind a patron wall, which makes you think it must be valuable. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason I should buy it. And uh, basically, we got it for free because that's <laughs> what we just do here. And what we learned is Daniel RPK is claiming that Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the Disney Plus series, the first Marvel Disney Plus series that's going to kick off, 
um, that ties directly back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, is going to be introducing the villain team known as the Thunderbolts into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you guys aren't familiar with what the Thunderbolts are, uh, the Thunderbolts came out in the 90s, and basically it was a series in which a group of Marvel villains led by, you know, not so coincidentally, Helmet Zero, who's also the villain starring in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, put together a team of villains and had them masquerade as superheroes. And this was like a government-sanctioned supervillain team who pretended to be like superheroes. And it was a great first issue because you meet what you think are all these new superheroes you're getting to know. And at the very end, it's like they have like a little secret team meeting and it's revealed like, no, these are classic Marvel villains <laughs> who have all just re-outfitted themselves so cool. to be like these new superheroes. Like there's like a guy named Tech Nine. He's really just the fixer. There's a guy named Mach 1 in a plane suit who's really the beetle of all people from Spider-Man. And it was all these like B and C level villains that nobody really cared about. Who Wasn't then Hawkeye got to break out the Thunderbolts for a while as Goliath? Uh, I think later it was after Atlas. Zemo oh, okay. like left, he took over the yeah. team. It's crazy yeah, to see how many like, yeah. are actually in there. I actually looked it up on Wiki. I was I want to know every single Thunderbolt. And there's like Deadpool and Punisher. Yeah, and yeah. later. Iron. Yeah, yeah. Was, there was a weird period of time where uh, if the character had a red costume, they were lumped together as a oh Thunderbolt. My well, gosh. sometimes they gave That's them. That's so interesting, though. That was when Red Hulk was leading it, so they red put like Hulk, Punisher yes. on there and changed his skull to red. Yeah. And yeah, let's just say the concept has gotten a little murky <laughs> in Marvel <laughs> comics over the years. But the original premise, which was good, was. A group of BC level supervillains that everybody kind of forgot about masquerading as superheroes. It's really cool to give them new life. Yeah, like, to get and it them did, back and it school. really did. I mean, like all these characters you never thought about reading became like very interesting characters. Their relationship, their team dynamic, and it has changed over the years as the Marvel universe has evolved. So what we're hearing is that Falcon and the Winter Soldier could be a launch pad for this. Now this is just a rumor, of course, but I thought it'd be fun to talk about yeah. because Thunderbolts is a fun concept and the one that we've been waiting for. And it kind of feeds back into our larger discussion about Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4 and how do you make this kind of a bigger thing. We've all been kind of dropping our little opinions and not our little opinions. That makes the show sound real great. Uh, <laughs> dropping our expert opinions <laughs> about the fact that there's a lot of evidence that in Phase 4 we're going to get a buildup of something that's more terrestrial, something like a Masters of Evil type Ooh. team um, where all these different criminals are kind of coming out of the void of the Avengers you know, losing some of their key members and maybe breaking up or just taking a break or whatever is happening. Uh, and then you have people like uh, the Ten Rings and, Ma and the Mandarin coming in. You have whatever threat Black Widow is going to introduce, like New Widow programs and all the stuff, whatever the Eternals are up against. And so this would make sense to have something like the Thunderbolts come out. And it wouldn't be surprising because in a lot of ways it feels like if you've been keeping up with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the details of that, like Rupert Wyatt's going to be John Walker, U.S. agent and all this stuff. Um, even his like weird Bucky, Black Bucky sidekick guy is getting like a revamped. Battlestar, right? Yeah, Battlestar's getting uh -huh. like a revamped role in this. And so that all kind of already hints at the idea, if you know U.S. agent and all that, is government-sponsored guy, maybe not on the up and up like we want for a hero, but kind of masquerades as a hero and kind of having to figure out the darker underbelly of that and do that is an easy access point into something like that. It could also be a really nice way to sort of set up, not necessarily a villain of the week, but like yeah. these like maybe two episode arcs of, you know, pulling together a Thunderbolts team that at the very end, maybe the whole show ends with like a government sanctioned 
you know, basically so Avengers cool. team. Yeah. I it's love uh, that. the timing seems right too. Cause it's been a while since I checked on this. So I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but if I remember right, they introduced Thunderbolts when like the Avengers went missing, like after yep. onslaught. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this timing, like right after Endgame, if not after infinity war, but after Endgame at least when, you know, the Avengers seem to be kind of scattered and, you know, Iron Man's gone. Captain America's gone. That like, this is the window for some, you know, Baron Zemo in a Citizen V costume to pop up and go, hey, I'm your hero. Let's do this. I have this whole team of superheroes you've never heard of. We're totally on the up and up and people will believe that because all the other ones are gone and they miss them, basically. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I mean, yeah, I kind of hope if they do it, it is the kind of the the first, the kind of classic Thunderbolts premise. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything, of course, gets changed for the MCU. But I loved that. I love the kind of weird almost soap opera drama of these villains trying to pretend that they're heroes and how it weirdly kind of messes with their psychology over time. Yeah. Because when they start getting praise as heroes, like half of them begin to flip and be like, yeah. well, maybe life is better if we Do you think heroes. that that needs its own standalone thing, like a movie or series itself? Or yeah, do you think, I think it fits it would be... really well into... Ooh, this... you're asking deep questions. I, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I thought of when Ooh, I first heard the, the news. I was uh. like, I kind of would want their own movie, almost like Suicide Squad. Like, they'd have their own thing so that we get to know these characters and, like, fall for them and love them. I know that a lot of people didn't do that with Suicide Squad, <laughs> but maybe what it was supposed to be, you but know? I, but um, I think also too, like, I don't necessarily think you need to do that with like the first batch of whatever the Thunderbolts scenes. I think it's yeah. one of the greatest things about Thunderbolts like Suicide Squad, where it's had a, a rotating cast sort of every so often as a, uh, a program. And as a theory, it's evolved so much over time that you put the right pieces together and it could be a, a big threat. Um, and I think, I, I think you build to that though. I don't necessarily know. Yeah. I mean, you can start, I mean, maybe in Captain America and the winter or, Winter Soldier and whatever the show is called, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, maybe you can't they just let go of Cap. Yeah, they they just throw together the Masters of Evil, and that eventually spins off. Although I can't imagine them actually calling that the Masters of Evil, unironically in the MCU. But same basic concept. I mean, later iterations are basically it's basically the Suicide Squad, right? They work yeah. for the government and et cetera, et cetera. Although, oh, you- did did they ever? Um, did they ever cast Speedball in that New Warriors show that didn't go anywhere? Because if they can take whoever they cast for that and put him in the penis suit with a, a <laughs> penance kitty from the Warren Ellis run, that would be that would be something. Well, there's really, I mean, there's three teams to play fast and loose with. There's Masters of Evil, there's Thunderbolts, and then there's like the Dark Reign Avengers. All yeah, of which kind of dance. That's what around. you've just been waiting for. You've been waiting for Dark Reign to show up in the MCU. Yeah, I mean, or- yeah. I mean, and these all kind of dance around the same premise based on how you kind of spin them and use them. I just want to see something like that happen. So that's why I'm just kind of pushing for it and throw it in the uh, podcast. But it would also be Thunderbolts. So like what would separate it is like Masters of Evil or Dark Reign. Would, Dark Reign does so much, but Masters of Evil would take like villains who would show up possibly in other shows and have yeah. big roles and bring them together. Whereas Thunderbolts is kind of its own thing about these kind of, like I said, B and C level villains who have to kind of figure out their place in a world of like, is it better being a B or C level criminal or can I get all this fame and love as a hero would be kind of an interesting show premise. The risky part of this is with, with how many villains the Marvel universe has already gone through and how people are always complaining about the MCU having a villain problem. Can they spare the half a dozen or so villains that they need to make this team to be heroes without running out of credible villains 
Yeah, I think all of that's going to change because this would be, I would assume, like a Thunderbolts, I would like to see more of a Disney Plus series than a movie. Sure. Yeah. So automatically that means there'll be better developed villains than we see in the movies. And they'll probably survive. So, mm. but but also too, like I mean, just the whole idea of U.S. Agent being in this show makes the perfect sense for a Thunderbolts leader. Like they, yeah, he basically becomes the Rick Flag of the Thunderbolts. Right. That that makes total sense. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, U.S. Agent not a not a big villain. So, no. like, I think he's an appropriately there, sized. Villain. There are going to be so many people angry at you for calling him a vin- villain. I just want you to know that. He, but he's Send your letters I, to editor. But like, but, but he's he's in a appropriate sized foil sure. for uh, you know this show. And well, I he's think just the other guy in the do. running. This is really like Captain America who gets the shield, and it's like, right? Is it Falcon? Is it Winter Soldier? Is it this other guy? Like, I mean, he's just. A good foil for for what Bucky and because is Falcon still technically a criminal? Uh, I don't everyone, know that did they everyone ever, get like absolved like, of all their. I don't issues? know if it's official. I feel like like in some mention of some tie in of some tie in. There's mm-hmm. like they all, like got, like, they all got like They all got pardons. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Thun- Thunderbolt Ross was at Tony Stark's funeral, right? Yeah, true. With all of those in criminals arrest. hanging out, that would seem. <laughs> you assume they've been. And I pardoned, feel like, it, or there was like deleted scenes of him like talking or something like. Yeah, I think they get pardons or something like that. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, all's well. do your do your crimes like are are they not invalidated by you dying? Is the <laughs> question. <laughs> and do you people get over it if you like re reestablish half the universe? And yeah. you're like, I mean, you were going to give me a I life did sentence. Break this wow. law, but I did save half the universe. <laughs> right. Like, pick your poison. But um, all right, that's just a rumor, one that we hope. Uh, I know we're all excited to see Captain America and the Winter Soldier when it debuts. Uh, when's that coming? Is it like spring? It's like March, I think April, it's in something. The fall? It's fall. Fall. Yeah, wow. Whoa, man. I got I nothing love to that do you this said year. Captain America and Winter Soldier. Oh, man. Man, I love it. It's so cute. We don't want to give up on him. No, we Falcon listen, Winter we love Soldier. Him forever. Jamie's just got it in my head with his. Uh, <laughs> it is a Marvel well, title. It, it is really is. Marvel Studios, The Falcon, and The Winter Soldier. Wait, yeah, can I'm we like abbreviate it? Oh my gosh, we should think of the shortened version right here. On this podcast, and then Falk we'll get credit Wint. for that's it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> what is it? Falquin. F- Falquin. It's all also right. the name of the ship that's inevitably going to pop out of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You're welcome. <laughs> it's, it's, it says everything about our days and times that I had to like translate that sentence into modern speak. And oh, my gosh. All right. Moving right along from Marvel to a place that we didn't think we were going back to, the big universe of Pan Am. So, if you guys were live and around in the 2010s, you probably know a little something about The Hunger Games. It was this small book that came along, became this small series of movies that launched this small actress named J-Law to, uh, to uh, indie stardom. Um, but, uh, yeah, we thought we wrapped up this whole Hunger Games thing. We got that terrible split of a Mockingjay movie, which was like boring, oh boring, gosh. boring, yes. murder, murder, murder. It was still better than Twilight, right? So, like, yep. we all enjoyed The Hunger <laughs> Games. Yes, better. And now we found out that Suzanne Collins, the writer who created The Hunger Games, was going to be making a prequel series. We found that out several times last year. We heard teases, then we got like actual teases and stuff. And today, we got a big expose about the first excerpt from the book, and it's called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which uh, isn't ominous at all. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we got the first excerpt from that, and in doing so, we also had to learn some basic stuff about the story premise and it was a pretty big game-changing twist like what we learned basically spoiler warning yeah fast forward maybe 
It's not a spoiler. This is the basic. Well, it's not the basic story. Story. But, but is it? But I mean, it's in the excerpt. But I don't necessarily. I mean, okay, whatever. Just go. You can't describe this book. <laughs> the, hero, without the hero of this book is Wait, a surprise. Uh, yeah. Okay. But this is just a basic premise of the okay. book. All right. Go. This yeah. isn't like something you find out like on page one hundred. <laughs> it's right. like the back of yeah. the back cover it's material. The cover we don't have the book. That's yeah. true. Um, basically, what Jim is alluding to is we found out that this Hunger Games prequel. We knew it was set. We knew it was called the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and we knew the time period to be set in, which is 64 years before the Hunger Games and Katniss Everdeen's story begins. What we didn't know and learned today was that this prequel book will be all about President Snow dun, dun, dun. as a young man, and he's like a hero in this. He's a much different guy when he's younger. Uh, there's actual descriptions in here about... There's some ridiculous description about how he's a charmer and like all this stuff, <laughs> uh, oh which God. is Ew. which is yeah, it's kind of creepy to read knowing what we know about this yeah. whole thing. But uh, yeah, so these Hunger Games prequels are going to be about President Snow, who has this crazy first name that I'm going to butcher. I don't want to. Coria, uh, Coriolanus, Coriolanus Snow. This is what the prequel book will be about, and he will be. Uh, blah, 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 blah. He's a teenager born to privilege, but searching for something more. A far cry from the man we know he will become. Here, he's friendly, he's charming, and for now, anyway, he's a hero. Oh, God. So, um, I feel so bad. I mean, this was like, this was my favorite book series. I was in love with this. I've read it probably like four times, the whole entire series. I was kind of disappointed in the movies because I loved the books so much. Uh, they they were great. They were fine, but I loved the books. And so personally, there were so many other directions they could have taken this. They could have followed so many other different characters and I would have been way more interested. I think that collectively people would have wanted to see where the Hunger Games came from, like how it came to be. I feel like she should have gone way earlier on in the history of this and given us the reason why it was ever created and what that time was like. The very first Hunger Games would have been insanely crazy and cool to experience and see. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm going to read it, but I don't. Also, it's, it's kind definitely of like a weird character. It's weird. On. Yeah. I mean, it worked out so perfectly well when George Lucas did the exact same thing with Darth Vader. Why wouldn't you <laughs> want to imitate that model? No, <laughs> there's just a lot of red flags for me in this. Like first, in the 2000s, early on, there was this big trend where every villain, every famous villain, we had to go back and give like some sympathetic Backstory. explanation story, yeah. like Hannibal rising and all that stuff. And it was just like, <laughs> I don't need that, man. Like, yeah. I, I, I like my villains not explained. I don't need Rob Zombie telling me like Michael Myers, traumatic childhood and be like, that's why it's okay for this guy to kick people's faces in. Like, <laughs> because like Joker. Yeah, Joker. I mean, but I don't think Joker justified Joker. I think Joker used the mask of Joker to say, like, you know, a different kind of message. You really expect Hollywood or anyone else to learn that lesson? No, <laughs> I mean, no. But, uh, I mean, and somehow that pulled it off. Like, that's a rare case because that actually, like, actually did something and expanded that character a little bit somehow. This, I, I mean... President Snow in the way that he's like presented, especially like in Mockingjay, mm. like that dude just straight up surrounds. I mean, he's like 
a, a dictator from a third world country. Like yeah. he just surrounds his palace with people <laughs> to be blown up, including children. Like yeah, and even in the movies, like you barely even get to know him. He's not a big character in the movies. Like yeah, and he's creepy. Old, they barely even show him. He's creepy no. as hell, Donald Sutherland. Like yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, he. Del- I mean, as terrible as the last two movies are, he does deliver his strongest performance. Oh yeah, as that character in. I those mean, oh yeah, act, he, as an actor, he's incredible. I mean, if to. To give her the benefit of the doubt, it sounds like what she wants to do is explore, like, how a young idealist becomes that kind of monster. Because often these people, like those dictators, start off with a lot of political support, Mm -hmm. and they seem like they're agents of of change or whatever. Well, that's my other flag here. (laughs) I can see why we could be walking this tightrope right now. The timing was the other thing. Yeah. Uh, Coming out 2020, May, like, I could understand... (laughs) Why? But again, it runs the risk. I think it's it's such a tight line. Yes, you could say, hey, you know, guys like this monster don't start off as this monster. Here's how they start off. And this is how society can, you know, Songbirds and Snakes is a pretty on the nose title for what this could be. Sure. You know, if society thinks this is a songbird when it's really a snake, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not a hard one to th- to figure out thematically mm-hmm. where you kind of run the risk is it's still a story and the nature of a story is you have to make your protagonist sympathetic and in sympathizing with this person will we kind of will you be able to do the turn where we can joker is a good example because we can sympathize with arthur fleck but we don't necessarily like want to be arthur fleck or think by the end that he shouldn't be locked up or punished or that this dude's not crazy like he should be out on the streets and be a rock star sure like it kind of walks that line and be like yeah put that dude in a cage he's nuts but he has a certain amount of humanity to him but like i hope she can pull this off in a way that i haven't seen the hunger games do character the hunger games i'm not sure on the i'm fuzzy on the timing the hunger games are still a thing that is happening during the timing of this book right yeah yeah i mean the first actor says yeah The first, it, it goes this year, beginning back. this very day, he was hoping to achieve a personal recognition as well. Mentoring in the Hunger Games was his final project before graduating from the Academy in midsummer. If he gave an impressive performance as a mentor with his outstanding academic record, Coriolanus should be awarded a monetary prize substantial enough to cover his tuition at the university. So, like, yeah, he's, but he's from like Pan Am's wealthy class. So, and he, he was a mentor in the yeah. Hunger Games. Like, he was an actual, like, coach. Mentor, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I just, it could have been so great to see where it originated. Like, we already know what the Hunger Games are. Like, I don't care about a mentor. Like, it, I feel for the people in the Hunger Games. And and I'm sure, like, I don't know how they're going to play this, but, the, I mean, the whole turn is how did he go from, you know, having these kind of ambitions to be something more in society and do all this stuff to becoming this thing. And again, this isn't too far off a parallel to some very real world Mm. stories that we already are living through so if you can do this in book form and not have it either be too overly painting the wrong kind of picture or just too juvenile and simplistic and its approach is going to be like a very fine line to see and again i'm sure it's not what (laughs) fans of the hunger games were asking for yeah we were own joker version of uh i will call myself a fan i'm a fan of the books big time and here's another thing i feel like this is avatar all over again i don't care anymore it's been too long they have waited too long between the books and the movie it's just why are they taking so long to come out with content we live in a time where we need to like stay up with the (laughs) 
with the pace and uh, just like I, like I don't care about Avatar coming back. I'll watch it, but I'm not psyched. Um, and same with this. I'm not psyched about this, but I'll I'll consume it. I wonder if it's like a J.K. Rowling where, you know, after Harry Potter, she went off and was like, I'm going to do other books. And <laughs> apparently everyone was like, no, thank you. Yeah. She was like, I guess I'll go back to Harry Potter. <laughs> and that's how we ended up with this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm fairly sure that's the case. I mean, unless there's that other Suzanne Collins series, we've all been just like, you know, <laughs> spreading them word of mouth about, uh, which I don't know what that is. So, all right, we're going to keep an eye on this because I'm sure there will be a movie announcement soon. And I think all they already said, like when they yeah, announced oh, the yeah. book. There, yeah. No, that you're right. You're, I'm sorry. There already is a movie. So yes. we haven't confirmed any of the details of the movie yet, but anything, I'm, I'm sure that's coming. So Going to digitally games, de-age. All. all right, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, Jamie's going to take us through Star Trek Picard. And we are going to read some of your reviews, so some of you get t-shirts for leaving, up, for leaving us those nice five-star reviews. So be here when we get back. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, Jamie. So, Star Trek Picard. Uh, Jamie, if you guys don't know, is our Star Trek expert guy, and so he's been on a solitary mission for the last couple of years covering uh, Star Trek Discovery as it kind of not only got Star Trek TV back up off the ground, but uh, kind of got up early into these streaming wars before anybody else and was on the excellent CBS All Access streaming app. Now that it's kind of caught on and grown in Discovery is kind of a thing, a hit thing. It's coming back for season three. We're getting a good big expansion of the Star Trek universe. We've had shorts. We have, like, comedy series. Um, and now we have Star Trek Picard, which is Jean-Luc Picard, Sir Patrick Stewart, star of Star Trek Next Generation's new solo series, which takes place in the future of the Star Wars universe. Uh, isn't it the most distant future Outside of the Discovery yes, ending? Until, yeah, until season three of Discovery yeah. comes out. Uh, beside that one Calypso short, which was like a thousand years in the future. Yeah. So basically in the timeline, this is the furthest in the future of Starfleet we've kind of gotten. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's long after, it's like what, 20 years after the last? 20 years after Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, which was, you know, the Tom Hardy playing Captain Picard thing, mm-hmm. you might remember. Which was the last of the Star Trek Next Generation movies. Um, so this is 20 years later, Picard's in a very different place, Starfleet's in a very different place, and that's been kind of the weird mix we've had going into Star Trek Picard, which is, it's riding this wave of, of course, fan nostalgia for Star Trek The Next Generation, 
it's kind of getting into a bold place of telling a very different kind of Star Trek story and doing everybody's favorite thing, taking that thing, giving it a little Last Jedi kick of taking that thing you thought about your hero and kind of really remixing it in some ways. So, Jamie, why don't you take us through your non-spoiler impressions of Star Trek Picard? Sure. Um, so when I went out to the premiere, they showed us the first three episodes. Uh, the way that when he introduced it, uh, Alex Kurtzman, the producer, uh, said that the series is told in acts and the first act is the first three episodes. And that is very true. Uh, the first three episodes play out like, like a movie. It's like three acts of a movie. Um, and so I encourage anybody who watches this to, to, to watch those first three episodes before making any sort of judgment. Cause you really don't get a complete picture of what they're doing with it until you get through that third episode. Uh, leading up to this, they said that, you know, this is not next generation. It's not discovery. Uh, and I would say that is very true in both cases. Um, it has the production value of Discovery, um, but it doesn't have like Discovery is very interested in doing kind of like a blockbuster movie on TV and like the camera is constantly moving all the time, that kind of thing. It's not that. It's very, you know, high production value, but it's much, you know, the camera is more stable. Things linger longer. It's much more less focused on the action, although there is more violence in these three episodes than I think in the entirety of Next Generation, uh, which you can, you might you probably sense from the trailers. A lot, yeah. But, uh, but it's not Next Gen. Like, it's what it takes from Next Generation is the character stuff. Like, Next Generation was split between something weird happens in space, and that is a reflection of the character drama going on on the ship. Uh, this, at least in the first three episodes, dispenses with the something weird is going on in space and focuses entirely on the characters uh, because it's much more interested in Picard and his personal legacy. He's not with Starfleet anymore, so he's not on this indefinite mission of exploration and discovery. He is essentially going out to uh, write a, not necessarily wrong, but something he feels like he has been derelict in his duty with since leaving Starfleet. Uh, I don't want to say specifically what that is. Obviously, that'd be kind of a spoiler. Uh, but yeah, it's a very personal mission for him. And he's operating outside of the bounds of Starfleet in order to do that. So this is Picard broken bad. Yeah, in the trailers, like I heard all of these like voiceovers saying like, why did you leave us? Mm -hmm. or, like, what have you done? Like, how could you do like? And I was very curious. I, I yeah. was, what did you do? <laughs> like, yeah, it, it has to do with, so this, like I said, takes place 20 years after Nemesis. Uh, I believe that makes it 10 years after Romulus gets destroyed, which they talk about in the first J.J. Abrams movie. But we never see the ramifications of because that movie just keeps going in the Kelvin timeline after that. Here, this delves a lot into the ramifications of what uh, the destruction of Romulus brings. And uh, Picard leaving Starfleet is directly uh, tied to that. Um, I will say you compared it to uh, Last Jedi. Um, it is like Picard. So a lot of people took uh, had a problem with Last Jedi because of how Luke Skywalker, they felt like it wasn't the same character. Right. Yes. Uh, this Picard is very much the Picard of Next Generation. Oh, good. He is not like... A completely different. He has been person that is yeah, like he changed. Like Luke Skywalker, he has kind of absented himself from what has been going on in the world, but he hasn't. He hasn't grown bitter the way that some people would say Luke Skywalker did. 
uh, he has just, like I said, he's kind of removed himself and now he's realizing that was the wrong choice and he should have kept going. It's like self-reflection, but not complete character Yeah, and so that's that's really what carries the series is uh, Patrick Stewart is, Still phenomenal in that role, yeah. and it is still very much. I mean that that, that is role. from I I wasn't a huge Star Trek fan as a kid, but like that is all his face, him is what I think of when I think of Star Trek because of the time that I started consuming it, mm-hmm. and uh, I just I'm really excited about this yeah. personally as someone who doesn't have this long like fandom base. I just feel like this is going to be up my alley. And that's my question. Do you, do you think that someone who doesn't know all of the history, can they consume this? Can they enjoy it? Uh, I would say yes. Uh, there are some surprisingly deep, uh, cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. some characters get mentioned that I did not expect to, oh, wow. uh, to and be you were probably relevant. Like freaking out. Yeah. Just, I was like, like so oh, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get but, the reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But they do a very good job of, uh, like if you recognize the name, it's awesome, but they do a very good job of contextualizing cool. why that, you know, these references matter That's really great. Uh, for the story at hand. So you're not left going, you know, I'm not hands invested. empty like yeah. I don't know what's happening here. Right. It's not that. It, oh, cool. it, it does a very good job of balancing those two things. Uh, another thing you talked about Starfleet being changed. Uh, this is not. I asked Alex Kurtzman about this uh, at the Junket, and what he said is they're not doing like this isn't dark Starfleet. That Starfleet has. I was wondering about evil. that too. Yeah. Um, it's more complicated than that is what he would say. And having seen those episodes, I would agree. It's not a matter of like Starfleet is suddenly like the evil empire or something. It's a matter of they're still trying to do good. What they, without spoiling anything, what I, they think is good isn't necessarily the same as what Picard thinks is good, but they're still, you know, trying to do good. It's just a complicated well, uh, say situation. The, the modern Star Trek shows are doing a good job of, showing that Starfleet isn't just a simple, idealistic organization that it has many bits and pieces. Like, uh, I mean, Discovery's whole premise is, like, Starfleet is this thing about exploration and peacemaking, but they also have a Discovery, like, thing where they're testing yeah. out instant warp. So they have, like, a covert science division. They have uh, Section 32, what is it? 31. 31. I was off by a number. <laughs> section 31, where it's, like, it's their actual CIA of Starfleet who does all the dirt stuff that they got to do. And so that's been kind of an interesting transition as, I mean, because modern audiences, of course, need more complicated yeah. heroes and things like that. And, I mean, Starfleet's an organization. Organizations are made up of people, and people have different yeah. visions and you know, no, no organization is, no matter how much it might appear from the outside, is totally homogenous on yeah. the inside. And we're and, just going to see a lot. Not to mention, like, you know, it is a current societal theme of questioning our institutions and, like, what they are and stuff like that. So it would only make sense that that kind of gets reflected in. If we could settle one thing before we move on, and I've had to do this already because people have been freaking out. Can you just assure people that there is a... I don't know what people's logic processing is when they see these things, but they somehow think like somebody's made a mistake or something. But can you assure the angry people out there that there is a logical explanation for how Commander Data shows up in this show? Yes. Uh, A very, an answer that will be satisfying to people who were fans of Next Gen, I think. Yeah. Okay, good. So there you have it. Stop spazzing out. Like, (laughs) 
It isn't. Like, people have been like, Data can't be in this show. People are like, was that Data in the trailer? <laughs> no! It must be something else. Data cannot be in the show. It's like, <laughs> yes, it's Data. That's not a spoiler. They've been saying that since the beginning. And there's an actual good explanation for how he factors into this show. Believe it or not, Alex Kurtzman and Michael Jabon and the people behind the show did watch Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah. They're aware of how that ended. Yeah, they're, they're aware of how what happened to Data and... They're not going to uh, steal Data's Data's great moment, so don't. Basic questions: How long are episodes? Like, when is it coming out? Like all those things. Uh, I think they're forty-five minutes ish. The three together were about the length of a movie. Um, They come out on Thursdays, starting this Thursday on CBS All Access. They go up uh, kind of in the middle of the night, Uh, so they usually go up. Wow. Yeah, they go up essentially at midnight. Pacific time, so okay. 3 a.m. Eastern. Oh, as soon as it's Thursday, everywhere. Uh, you can watch are it. Are you going to watch? Well, US. you already watched them. I was going to say, are you going to have to wait, like, wake up at 3 a.m. and watch them? Uh, thank God for screeners. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. CBS is excellent about screeners. All right. So, to close out the show today, we are going to read a few uh, fan reviews. If we read your review, all you have to do is let us know your real name, your address, your shirt size, and send it to uh, editor at comicbook.com, and we'll send you a free t-shirt, but give it like a month. It takes it takes a while. So uh, we start. thought we'd start with some of these. Um, we'll go uh, We'll go some. Janelle, you guys, you're sitting in on, this is kind of a new batch since you've been on, so Yay. we'll do some that have some Janelle focus. Oh, what? Uh, great Me? podcast. This is from Comic Book Nation from... Uh, uh, CY fan six one two eighty five. Great podcast discussing movies, comics, and video games pertaining to pop culture. My friend Janelle Wheeler told me about this podcast. The hosts are all amazing. Wow, good job, Janelle. We're Aww. gonna keep you. you <laughs> I think I know who that <laughs> is, so I'm gonna shout my. That, uh, I think that's great my friend. team by DWW six seven one five. The chemistry between all of the hosts is great. I feel like I'm hanging out with friends and discussing my favorite topics. Great addition of Janelle Wheeler too. Yes. Gamers unite. Yes! Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sensing a theme here. That's yeah. really exciting. Well, I haven't. Don't telling. get you. That was like I've, that was I've really been t- telling <laughs> them. I'm like, come on, you guys. You want to get these shirts? They are actually really comfortable. So, yeah, they're great. I love these shirts. And so we got one called "Love the Podcast." No love for the Last Jedi. Love the show. Look forward to it each week. Learn a lot from the team. My issue is one of the fanboys on the show said, "In ten years, we will look back on the Last Jedi." I don't think so. And we'll, we'll look back and like the last shot. I don't think so, buddy. Who Thank you for that? the five star review, Christine Jewel 920. And that was me. I answered was one you. of those Twitter. <laughs> yes. I answered one of those Twitter controversial movie opinions, and I said, in ten years, we will look back, and the Last Jedi will be the greatest of the Star Wars movies. And needless to say, people have tracked me down to tell me how wrong <laughs> I am. Uh, best comic book podcast by. Redheaded Ninja 406. This podcast made me get back into reading comics. The weekly insights on comics are awesome and constantly makes me want to read new titles. On top of that, the pop culture discussions scratch all the nerd itches. Deuces. Uh, Deuces. Matt, that's for you, buddy. Aww. We need some uh, comic reviews. We miss you, Matt. Okay. W1N1. W1NE Mom. Okay. Oh, wine mom. Wine, I get wine it. Yeah. mom. <laughs> I don't speak internet. <laughs> good vibes. Elite speak. Loving the vibes here. Always a good time listening to the comic book guys and gals. Great job on keeping us up to date on all the latest. I'll be starting Watchmen thanks to Janelle's excitement. Yes. Oh, I didn't even know that was a Oh Janelle my one. gosh, I heard that they're not doing season two. Nah, oh, we didn't talk about that. Uh, yeah, season two is dead. I'm heartbroken. Damon Lindelof killed it. So send your letters to him. Talk about the irony of them being like, well, the creator doesn't want to do more. We should probably stop with Watchmen. <laughs> I'm so sad. Dad Jokes by Logan Howlett, 80. 
I knew I would miss the awkward deuces, but the dad jokes make it better. You guys have a great camaraderie. I love the show. Keep up the good work. The comic reviews are the best. I keep those dad jokes coming, don't you? Really? <laughs> uh, we got a couple more. Love the show. Love the show. I've been looking by uh, Pod1908. I've been looking for a comic book, all things nerd podcast for a while. I finally decided to give this show a shot, and I must say I was hooked from the first episode I listened to. I look forward to each Wednesday and Friday when it drops in my feed. Keep up the good work. No, thank you for listening to all of them. Long, you love the show, Young Padawan 24. Great show to tell all your uh, to get all your nerdy content. Love all the hosts and their side banter. <laughs> and finally, last but not least, simply fantastic with two thumbs up and two emoji exclamation points by Rosman10. This podcast is fantastic. Nice variety of host personalities. Gives interesting reviews of movies, TV, video games, and comics. They've turned me on to some comics and shows that I might have otherwise missed. Keep up the excellent show. All right. Hold on. I want to read one more only because I love that it basically was a segment of the show as the title of his review. It's from Spoil Me More. Uh, rant with a rave. Great podcast. I enjoy the discussions of all forums that I fall that fall in the entertainment world of gaming, comics, TV shows, and movies. Working at a place where music is played all day, the podcast twice a week is a great break on the drive home from hearing the same songs over and over again. My only rant is the need to have to say spoiler. I don't understand why anyone will listen to the podcast and not expect to hear about what revelations if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, don't listen. So I say to you all, just talk and say whatever, whenever. Now, <laughs> While I appreciate his sentiment, it is there are a bunch of people who do listen to this show who do wait to watch certain things, and so it is fair to give them the spoiler warning. But at the same time, I mean, but I like you're going to get spoilers. Spoil will be love more. The love the enthusiasm. And also, yeah. we need to just take a minute to say, Kofi, you're awesome. You do such a good job at running this. And, yeah, uh, don't give me any praise. No, you deserve it. Apart. You're yeah. killing it. Oh, We're thank proud you. of you. Thank you. I'm only as good as the people I could rope into doing this stuff that I don't know how to talk about. So thank you guys very much. Um, and that'll do it. We don't usually like to end on a positive note. It gets everybody way too comfortable on this show. But I guess we'll do one today. Uh, if you are just now getting into Comic Book Nation, we put up episodes every Wednesday, every Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed or you can subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We love those iTunes reviews, but you can also catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, or you can find video of us at the comicbook.com YouTube page where we always upload uh, videos of our various episodes. If you want to continue the discussion with us, go to the hashtag comicbooknation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler and on Twitch, same name. Uh, you can find me at Jamie Lovett. And Jim, you can always find him at editor at comicbook.com where you can send all <laughs> your five-star review or reading complaints. requests That's or right. t-shirts or complaints. Or, uh, yeah, we're coming up on the end of season one. We should probably do some uh, housekeeping announcements. Yeah, this is episode 99. We have one more episode. Episode 100 this week will be the end of Comic Book Nation season one. Uh, we will be coming back from season two. Starting next week, so not that long of a wait. Um, but we're going to be making some changes in season two. We got some fun stuff planned for you guys. Bigger guests, bigger set, bigger everything. So uh, we're also going to be doing some other segments that involve more interactive stuff with you guys. So if you start to have fan questions and all that stuff that you want us to address on the show, start sending them in at the hashtag Comic Book Nation or editor at Comic Book. Flood Jim with your questions. <laughs> He's ready for all of them. doesn't matter how Bring crazy. Bring it. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in with us. We will be back later this week, and we'll see you then. All right, peace. Peace.